1: ZOO Radio Drivers Start
0: Your Engines
2: Hit the pace car what
1: for? Because you eat every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. I think I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. I can't see him, but
0: he talks to me. Slammed you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you.
1: And rubbing son is racing. Hey, race fans, welcome to another edition of Draft in the Circus on the Hoobazoo Radio Network. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next 60 minutes as we dig into everything racing from the past weekend. And a big weekend of racing it was. But first, let me introduce you to the panel tonight. Tonight, we have in the house Gray Warren uh, from Richard Childress Racing. Gray, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Hope everyone
3: else is.
1: And then, then I've got my friend with the best accent in the world, Mr. Richard Uden, also a Richard Chills Racing. <laughs> Richard, how are you?
3: I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me back again.
1: Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you here, Richard and Seth. Seth Eggert, a NASCAR correspondent uh, over at uh, Sports Tribune in the house again with us tonight. Seth, how are you?
4: I'm good. I'm good.
1: All right. So we had a pretty big weekend of racing. All three major series um, were active. Um, uh, NASCAR and uh, IndyCar both raced on Saturday. Uh, we had the Grand Prix or the IndyCar Grand Prix this day, That day and age. They used to call it the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, um, where we saw Will Power take a dominating win. We saw Martin Truex Jr. take a win in uh, Kansas Motor Speedway for NASCAR. And then on Sunday, Mother's Day, uh, we had the Spanish Grand Prix where we saw Lewis Hamilton uh, come back from a couple of disappointing races to take a pretty good win there. So let's uh, let's start with Kansas, um, and uh, I think the drive of the day belongs to Brakuslawski, who was two laps down and ended up finishing second. So. Um, you know, good on Brad, but I'm going to turn this over to you, Gray and Seth. Uh, let you break this down. Let's talk about the race. Talk about the uh, the accident that we all saw. And um, you know, quick, get the highlights.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, a good race is just going to be remembered for uh, for the big wreck. But uh, I thought it was a terrific race, and uh, Richard picked the winner again. <laughs> hey. Pick pick two week two weeks in a row of the pick, pick in the cup winner uh, Truex uh, prevailed there uh, but I thought it was a very competitive race uh, uh, a good race I uh, had uh, Ryan Blaney uh, another good run you know after they kind of recovered from about uh, three down weeks uh, Ryan picked up his first career pole and uh, led quite a few laps and uh, and won uh, won a segment uh, in the race and was right in contention right until the very end when I think uh, Truex really showed his mettle there. And I think uh, as a, you chalked that one up to experience from uh, a good car and experience for Truex, uh, he was able to, uh, on the last restart, get away from the field and, and, and win the race. But I uh, thought it was a pretty pretty good race uh, uh, for, for the most part, uh, pretty competitive uh, throughout most of the night uh of course um a lot of stuff going on back in the field and then then i I absolutely direct that uh everybody's talking about uh uh the brakes rotor exploded on uh, joey logano's car uh going into turn one and he kind of car kind of pulled to the left and he hooked danica and danica took a hard shot nose first into the wall and then uh then along comes uh, Amarola trying to c- come through there and wasn't able to to, to miss the wreck and uh, uh, pi- piled in and, and uh, I think uh, Seth can can uh, probably speak to this, but I think his uh, injuries were listed as a uh, compressed vertebrae. Is that correct? Uh,
4: yes, uh, I want to say it was a T five vertebrae, yeah, yeah. Uh, com- a T five compression f- fracture. And it, they say, in some senses, it's similar to Denny Hamlin and uh, when he bro- had a uh, compression fracture of his own in 2013, but in some senses, it's also different. Uh, I want to say uh, Richard Petty is looking for a driver through Sonoma because that's what the reports have said when they offered to Carl Edwards, who declined, and Greg Biffle, who declined. Yeah, uh, I,
2: heard, I heard six weeks. That's about right. Six
4: weeks, he's going to be on the
2: shelf.
4: That, that is six weeks. And they have Regan Smith in the car this week. But the impact itself, uh, watching the replay multiple times, it looks like Omarola got his right sides in fluid, which mm-hmm. had to have come from both – Logano and Danica's car. And as soon as he hit the brakes, he was just in a four wheeled slide.
2: Yeah. I listened to the, I listened to the uh, audio uh, from his spider and his spider was telling was, was spider was on him early telling him to go low, go low, go to the middle of the track. And he just had no grip, had no bite. And, and, and uh, of course when he was, it was like being on ice and he, he just kind of ran into the pile there. Pretty, I pretty, pretty significant wreck there because when he hit the back wheels came probably six feet off the ground. Uh, oh,
3: yeah.
2: yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was quite a crash. And of course we go to the red flag situation while uh, he's extracted from the car and, and you know, uh, hats off to the safety crew in NASCAR for, for getting him out and, uh, and, and taking care of him and getting him on the helicopter and getting him to the hospitals where he can get checked out. Uh, he was after being checked out and kept in the hospital overnight, he was on his way home to Charlotte on Sunday afternoon. And of course we've, you know, heard the reports. Uh, I don't think we've had a definitive, uh, report, uh, condition report, uh, so far this week. I probably with Charlotte coming up and everybody and the teams reporting, uh, to the racetrack on Friday, we'll probably learn a little bit more about his condition and what the prognosis is.
4: Well, uh, There are three things I can say about this that I do know. Uh, One, they do have a press conference scheduled at 11 on Friday morning at Charlotte. Uh, Two, uh, Eric Amarola was live streaming on Facebook earlier today. Uh, He said that his doctors advised him not to participate in a charity event in which he... It's held by the Martin Truex Jr. Foundation. It's a fashion show that raises money for kids with cancer. And he participated in it anyway and walked down the runway in a tuxedo, even though he still has the broken uh, back, essentially. Uh, But the impact, I just wanted to say just how brutal it was. uh, On Race View, the transponder... Broke off the car on impact, and Richard, we were talking about this before the show, and it landed halfway down the backstretch. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the transponder isn't that usually in the right rear of the car? Yes. There's
2: two, yeah, there's generally two of them. There's two of them on the car, and they're they're little uh, little plastic uh, little they they're held in little plastic uh, holders, usually on the, on the uh, fuel cell uh, can. Uh, on the lower right-hand corner
4: of the car. And, I, and also, NASCAR did issue, I don't know if I'll call it an edict or an order, but they confiscated all recoverable debris from Eric Almorola's car and from both Logano and Dan Kirkpatrick's cars. Yeah. Instead yeah. of giving the cars back to the teams, even though they were all three of them were total losses, NASCAR... Uh-huh took them back to study to see what they can do to improve safety.
3: Well, the, was that the, was similar with uh, when Austin had his uh, accident at Daytona a couple of years ago. I believe they, they confiscated the car then. Yeah.
4: yeah. And and, uh, and, and Kyle Busch as well yeah. at
3: Daytona. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that's a common practice, too. Anytime there's a serious accident, they, they will confiscate any and all things pertinent to the wreck. And do a complete, you know, cut, go over with a fine tooth comb because, you know, they always find something. I mean, even from Kyle Busch's wreck at Daytona, uh, you know, things were made to, to go into effect in the super speedway cars. This year was strengthening the tub, if you want to call it that, the 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 under the uh, feet of the driver was strengthened uh, and, of course, became mandatory on speedway cars this year. But that that's not uncommon. Uh, but one thing, one thing—a side note to the race at uh, Kansas. You know, with the new downforce package at these mile and a halves, we're seeing uh, faster speeds on the straightaways, and the cars are using bro- a lot more brake getting into the corners. And several teams had brake issues uh, throughout the uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, there were several teams that uh, had had rotors uh, had rotor issues and and brake problems and of course that's what led to uh to that wreck uh mm. joy logano had a brake issue and 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 it's theorized he's exploded a right front uh brake rotor and it uh caused him to uh get into danica and start the whole mess richard you can uh, you can allude to that a little bit
3: yeah i mean it's uh it's a balance isn't it obviously you you want to go for a, a lighter weight and a, a faster package as possible and uh you know whenever any time you're playing around with brakes it's it's always a very dangerous game um yeah especially these these non composite brake pads you know they're very very temperature dependent they'll warp they'll distort and they can be great for one section of the race and then they'll suddenly go into a phase where they're almost you know unusable because they get into a a temperature range that um you know isn't uh, it just isn't effective and Unlike, um, you know, you, you'll see in other forms of motorsport, IndyCar and Formula 1, for example, they, they can control the tyre pressures a lot more and the tyre temperatures and in turn the brake temperatures. Where in, in NASCAR, you have, you know, the, the cars are so heavy, um, the brake temperatures just basically keep going. It's it's really mm-hmm. difficult to, to control that brake temperature because you're trying to stop such a huge weight.
1: it's almost like a sink yeah. Yeah, uh, and, like
3: an and, yeah right. and they just keep going.
1: So let me ask you this, guys. Uh, as far as these brakes, I mean, I can't remember a whole lot of times where we've just seen a brake ex- rotor explode like that. You know, uh, but we, I remember but we saw, one specific but, time. Okay. But we saw one in IndyCar earlier this season, and IndyCar just changed brake suppliers as well. Uh, it was at um, Long Beach. Spencer Piggott had one just explode. Um, but luckily, Piggott was coming on the pit lane when that happened. But um, mm-hmm. what what are these? Are are, are in NASCAR? Are we, are we running carbon fiber brakes? Or
2: they're no, um, they're 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 iron. They're steel rotors. Okay. What, what's happening? What's happening is it, it's a it's cause and effect. And one of the things that we're doing. The lower downforce package is creating things at some of these racetracks that they haven't that they haven't seen before. It's not unforeseen, but what's happening, like like I said, is with the lower downforce lower downforce and a lot less spoiler, the cars are getting uh, uh, have built up more speed on the straightaway, so their corner entry speeds are higher, and you have to get the car slowed down to to get through the corner, and and they're having to use more brakes. In, in years past, with the bigger spoiler and the higher downforce, they didn't have these issues at the, at the mile and a half tracks like Kansas and Chicago and Atlanta and places like that. And it's yeah. something we're seeing, seeing with that. And of course, like like Richard, like Richard just stated, everybody tries to go with the lightest possible brake rotor that they can, just rotating mass. That they want to try to do away with, and it and it leads to some leads to some problems. And then, like Richard said, they're very temperature send, uh, sensitive, and you guess with how much you you uh, tape off your brake ducts and things like that. Sometimes you guess wrong, and, and and several teams had issues with brakes. And I don't know whether they were using. Uh, Everybody comes with a different rotor package and that kind of thing, and uh, some probably maybe had had smaller rotors, or and uh, that led to the problem. I'm just speculating there, but yeah, it's it's not uncommon for rotors to break at, at, at other places too. But where we saw this at, uh, I think we saw this at Kansas because uh, this is really you know our first trip to there <laughs> with this newer newer lower downforce package yeah it's the very one... it's very
1: interesting yeah i mean usually you hear about the brake problems on tracks like martinsville or you know sonoma or watkins Glen, but uh, you really don't hear a whole lot of brake problems uh, on a mile and a half so uh
4: this is well it's, it's uh... almost
3: a case i think that you know you know you're going to have issues at your you know your road courses and your you know your martinsville and places like that so um, they you yeah. know you there is almost as you say a surprise you know
2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited
0: by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: When you come to these events and you have that, and you know, that, that's the same for the teams as well as it is for, you know, the, the fans to expect it. Uh, you know, the teams still get, they get caught out as well a lot of the times because the, the regulations, and the downforce packages change on such a regular occurrence. You don't know exactly what you're, uh, um, you know, what you're going to get when you turn up every week. Mm-hmm. You know and pretty much like
2: going to Martinsville or going to uh, Loudon and, and the two road courses we run the biggest biggest brake package you can get these are these are huge six piston calipers with inch and 5h rotors and basically I tell you um, we haven't had a lot of brake problems at uh, at a lot of these short tracks uh, over the years because they've pretty much gone to this 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 thing that they've had once in a while you'll have guys that use too much brake and boil the fluid out of them and 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 ha- have a have a little bit of issues but uh, at these short tracks we we haven't had seen a lot of brake problems uh, in the in the past few years.
4: Uh, now the one that I was talking about uh, go back to I want to say it was either 2005 or 2012 at Pocono Jeff Gordon exploded a brake rotor. I want to say going into turn one. Yep. And when he was calling that wreck last night, when he saw the replay, uh, while DW and Mike Joy were speechless, Jeff Gordon just said, that was a brake rotor. hmm If anyone yeah. knows a brake rotor exploding like that, it would be Jeff Gordon. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it. Like I said, it happens from time to time. It's not. It's not uncommon. It, it's rare, but when it does, you know, it's 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 noticeable.
3: And yeah, I mean, I think you're a great touch. One of the big areas where the teams do try and you know get the performance. Obviously, as you mentioned, they want to try and get them into an operating window, but the. The, the brake ducts will be fed air through the nose of the car. Now if you if you have the nose open to allow air into it, that reduces the amount of downforce. So you want as little air into the brake rotors as possible to increase your downforce and increase aero efficiency. But then you've got this trade-off. Uh you know, you, you want to be able to stop the car, but you know, you, you've got you, you know a lot of the times when you listen to uh you know the teams on the radio during the race coming up to a stop, you know, they'll be talking about putting tape on the grill, putting tape on uh, you know the brake brake intakes and all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, it's always a compromise. You you you're always you having to compromise one thing to get a gain in in another area. So yeah, it's a it's it's like Richard said, it's it's, it's a it can be a delicate balancing act sometimes.
4: At the All Star race, NASCAR are elected to give a third set of what they're calling prime tires, a standard tire, in addition to the two sets that their teams were already going to have to use, 44 segments, and the one-option softer set. Uh, it, because they felt that three sets were going to be kind of too close.
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, you got to really have a – because if, if if there's a crash on the track and people run through debris, you've got to have something sitting there to to, to to bolt on. Or if someone, if someone spins and slides, they're going to flat spot tires – I think the idea, I've heard several people talking about it this week. You know, all the other major, major, uh, motorsports, uh, bodies use, use a, a, a tire option tire. Of course, we, we know it's in IndyCar and we know it's in Formula One. And I think NASCAR <coughs> is looking, is looking at that, uh, possibly for next year. Uh, and they're going to introduce it this weekend at, uh, at, uh, at Charlotte for the, uh, for the all-star race. I think it's, it, think it it adds an interesting element of, of strategy. We see it every week in formula one. In fact, we saw it this past, you know, we'll get to it later in the show, but we saw it, you know, saw it come about in, in this weekend, Spanish grand prix and where people, you know, you, you use strategy and, and, and use a different tire on, on a different stint and to see how it, uh, how it works. And uh, if you can gain time or make time, uh, during that stint, so I think it's a, it's, it's going to add another element uh, of, of strategy to to the to the race.
4: Also in the All Star race, like we already mentioned, Regan Smith will be in place for Eric Almirola. Uh You have several teams running special paint schemes, as per usual. Uh, one which definitely comes to mind, especially after the Reddit campaign that. Josh Wise had a few years ago to get himself into the all-star race. Uh, Matt Bandetto is going to be sponsored by Reddit. And he has a Reddit campaign to get himself uh, the uh, fan vote and into the all-star race. Uh, He's even letting fans come up with different slogans for him. Here, let me read. Uh, I came here to win races and eat burritos and I'm all out of burritos.
2: <laughs> yeah. Man, that's DeBendo's funny
4: stuff. The burrito. Oh boy.
2: Yeah, I mean these these campaigns that they come about, you know, voting people in the, to the All Star well, race. I guess it's trying to be an interactive and get the fans involved.
4: Well, Ryan Blaney's uh, came up with if you uh, vote him in, you get a chance to win a date with him.
2: <laughs> okay, so he's got he's gonna get the females involved in it that's that's a novel yeah
4: I know my sister was a fan of that idea
3: <laughs> think Danica will be voting for him <laughs> I don't know
4: <laughs> depends I mean Stenhouse is already in so she's gonna exactly. for him <laughs>
1: Now, you guys have gone way off the the path of racing news. Now you're just being silly. So uh, (laughs) so let's let's, uh, wrap up Kansas real quick. Um, You know, one more race where um, Joe Gibbs hasn't got a win yet, and this is uh, the deepest they've been into a season without getting a win since 2008, I think I heard. Is that correct?
2: Well, you know, they started off the year that – that Kyle got hurt at Daytona. They started that off, started that season off with with kind of a slide, and they really didn't get get going until after Kyle returned. And then you know Kyle went on that uh, went on that run where he won like four out of six races, and then then the rest of the guys picked up. And of course from that from Sonoma that year to Sonoma the next year, they won like half the races. So yeah, you know they, they can be slow starters from time to time. But you know they're they're in the mix. I think uh, Kyle alluded to after the race when they interviewed him that they're just lacking a little little speed right now. There's something lacking in the program, and I'm sure they're they're burning the midnight oil over there trying to trying to, to improve their their
3: program. You know, and I mean, not got... a... go, sorry, I go, ahead. go ahead, Richard. And they're not a you know they the, the can't be a million miles away because obviously you know you've seen. Uh, you know, the 78 car uh, win, was it twice now this year already? Well, uh, yes. yes. Being, yes. Uh, being an alliance partner um, to that organization, so they are pretty much a, a fifth uh, car of that group. Obviously, you know, they hang their own bodies over uh, at, at Furniture Row, but the chassis are the same with, I'm sure, Furniture Row uh, make their own modifications to those, but uh, intrinsically, it's, it's a very similar car. So they're, they're not a million miles away. They must be in no. the and that's probably a big frustration to those guys as well, seeing a car with the same engine and the same you know, principles behind its design beating them a couple of times and, and outrunning them on a well, quite a regular basis.
4: Well, from what I, I understand and what I've been told, uh, the cars that Joe Gibbs sends to Fergero, yes, they're Joe Gibbs cars, but uh, Fergero goes and polishes them Yes. a little bit more. <laughs> sure, I mean there's
2: there's some hey. smart, you know, we Furniture row if you remember, was an alliance team with 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 RCR for a number of years, and it's the same 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 thing, same format. They they got their chassis from us, and they they hung their own bodies, and they did their own thing. And I'll tell you what, they're some smart guys, and I tell you that is a, you know, with these technical alliances, we probably and Richard Richard will probably agree with me, we gained a lot from the as much from them as they gained from us working together we learned a lot because there they they you know they really work their stuff they had the they have the resources as far as the money to uh to to go and do things and and that they were they are a good technical partner to have
3: oh definitely and i, I think for some of the bigger teams having these technical partnerships is is a huge benefit and we will prov- we support four cars, four entrants, uh directly as alliance teams, and the um LFR cars, Dumaine and the two um JTG cars. Um and, and you have some of them that will you want, you know, basically to, to, to us to deliver a car and they'll put their own wrap on it. And then you have other alliances that want minimum input from us, and they'll go off and do their own things. And and Furniture Row were, were, were very much in that vein. They, they did a lot of their own work on the cars, and uh, it was interesting when we got those, you know, when we were able to get hold of those cars to, to see the differences and to see what uh, you know their concepts were.
2: But it was a two way street, and a lot of a lot of information shared uh, when, when they were. And Like I said, you know, bottom line was they were a good technical partner for us at rcr likewise i'm sure they are for for joe gibbs as well
3: and it is frustrating though there is that frustration when you do see them outperforming you and you know that um you know they've got a lot of the similar um infrastructure in in, in, uh, under the bodywork that uh, you have it can be you know it's a good frustration because you you know you know hey you're not that far off you know especially the engine the engines will be the same there's you know you're close so uh you know, it'll as I say, it'll be a bit frustrating for those guys down there, especially with the success they've had over the last couple of years. Yeah, but uh, you know,
1: Kyle's not that far off the mark. He nearly won a couple of weeks ago. He just got uh, you know snookered on a restart at the end of the race. I mean, you know, they're right there. It's just the the luck factor hasn't fallen their way for whatever reason. Um uh, you know, while uh, it seemed like the Ford guys have, uh, you know, really stepped up their game, you know, Toyota mm-hmm. has their only Toyota wins are with uh furniture row and uh, Martin Truex. So, uh, but it's a long season in NASCAR and, you know, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to, to see uh, every one of the Gibbs guys go ahead and grab a win
2: this year. Oh, it wouldn't surprise, wouldn't surprise us. I mean, we're, we're really just sitting here waiting for it to happen. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of unusual and we, we look at it as an unusual occurrence, but they'll 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 right the ship and and the law of averages will kind of work its way out. But you know, speaking of speaking of this weekend, you know, going to Charlotte, and we all remember what Truex did in the six hundred last last year. He led uh, led all but eight laps of of the four hundred laps that uh, that make up the uh, the six hundred, and that in one of the most dominating. Uh, uh, performances that, that, that i've ever seen that i've seen at a, at a at a super speedway in many 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 years i'm thinking yeah. it was record setting yeah but t- for, particularly
1: for for a, for a race of that length you know um yeah yeah, yeah truex just had to feel covered uh last yeah, no, year no. i mean I, I i i'll be honest with you i dozed off and slept through the whole thing and woke up and said oh uh truex still eating <laughs> So. Yeah,
2: and, and you know this weekend's race is is more of a wild card kind of situation. It's uh, uh, people are going to be bringing uh, diff- bringing their trick a little bit of their trick stuff and trying some things. Uh, so it's really kind of hard to. I, I mean, I look for Truex to run go- to run good there this weekend, but uh, I really look for him to be be pretty sharp uh, when we go back for the six hundred. But this this weekend's race, I, I really don't even. Man, I, I tell you what, it's it'd be hard to pick a favorite. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Richard. He's he's he's, oh. on the road. he's on yeah, road.
1: Rich, yeah, Richard. Yeah, you, You're two in a row. So uh, <laughs> I mean, you're the guy to pick Stenhouse. You pull that out of your butt and uh, you
2: won the Girl, race. I, so. So, think it was, I think it's
4: his original pick.
2: No, that was an educated. That was a, that was a good, <laughs> good
0: educated
2: pick. Call, call it what call it call it what you want, but
1: take it to Vegas next time, Richard.
2: I know, hey, I know, I know. I can tell you a story about taking taking Stenhouse at Vegas. He was 50 to 1. Yep, yeah, 500, yep. $500 bet, paid twenty five grand. Pretty pretty good, uh, pretty good. But, yeah, Stenhouse, you know, that he's run good there. He's had a good average finish at that place. So, really, I mean, when you look at how the Roush cars are performing, that wasn't totally out of the, uh, out
3: out of the realm of possibility. Great. Those were my exact same thoughts as well. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: of course they were, Richard. <laughs> All right, who
3: who you like um, for this weekend? I'm gonna go for. We mentioned him earlier, not being very, you know, not a great season so far. But I'm gonna go for the 18, Kyle Busch.
1: Okay. Yep, that's good. Right? Yeah, it'll be it'll be just Kyle's luck that his uh, first win of the season is in a non-points-paying non-point, exactly. thing, right? You
3: see, because he complains about not being at proper racetracks, now be complaining about not being at proper races. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. So.
1: Um, God, the all-star race is always such a, you know, bang up, bang up, crash up yeah. sort of affair. You know, we're just money on the line and no points. So I, you know, I, man, I don't even know where to go with this, but, uh, why do I want to say Matt Kenseth is going to get, uh, get the first, <laughs> um, get, get the first Joe Gibbs win of the year, but I'll go Kenseth.
4: All right, Seth. Uh, I am going to go a little bit of a different route. I'm going to say Ryan Blaney will win one of the stages of the open, transfer into the All Star race and go on to win the All Star race in the Wood Brothers 21.
2: And you know what? Isn't this the an- this is what the anniversary of when Michael Waltrip won in the Wood
4: Exactly.
2: Brothers. Yeah, I I, actually I saw I saw a graphic on that. I'm going to go with Jamie McMurray the last couple of All-Star races, Jamie's had had decent runs and it, it and had had a good fast car. I'm gonna, I'm and, and of course we've seen a little bit of a resurgence with um with that uh, with that team. Uh, and of course Kyle Larson's running good. He'll he'll probably be one of the uh, one of the hot shoes this weekend too. But I'm gonna say Jamie McMurray gets it done this weekend.
1: Hey, Gray, that's a good pick, man. The Ganassi team has really stepped up their game this year big time. You know, mostly on the shoulders of Kyle Larson. But McMurray's been right there. Yep. McMurray's yeah. McMurray's been right there. So uh anyway, let's uh let's just uh, talk about the um let's uh let's talk about the IndyCar Grand Prix. You know, the um uh, the road course racing obviously the fourth fourth year we've had it. Um, it's a quick weekend for me. I've I've got Got a lot going on. Usually I go spend the whole month of May in Indianapolis. But, uh, you know, this year my 18-year-old son is graduating from high school, so I need to bounce around from that. So uh, we drove up for the, for the race, the morning of the race, and drove back after the race. But, uh, man, what a, I thought it was a pretty good race. Um, most of the fans thought it was a pretty good race that were there. Um, everybody that, uh, that watched it on television thought it was a shit show. Um, but it wasn't. It was, you know, willpower. He was on rails. He dominated that race. Dominated qualifying.
2: Yeah, but from um, there on back, it
1: was from pretty there com- on back. You know, we had pretty competitive. Yeah, uh, yeah, we had we had nose to tail racing. You know, we had uh, uh, some pretty compelling passes there. We saw Spencer Pickett pass six cars on the first lap. You know, uh, I thought it was a great race. I think this is a. I really like this event. You know, I go to Indy every year, and I've been to Indy every year since, oh gosh, you know, before Seth was born, um, and the Indianapolis Grand Prix, or the IndyCar Grand Prix, or the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, whatever they want to call it these this day and age, offers a pretty neat day for the fans, where you can experience everything that Speedway has to offer at a bargain price, without the hassle of, uh, you know, half a million people there, or... or you know a quarter of a million people there um yeah. it's, it's just a, a neat race that Speedway has all kind of extras they've got a track invasion where they let the they let you take your kids out walk them on the track and the kids can pick up the marbles off the track or pick up the uh the other stuff you know um the museum is there uh the lines are shorter they had a pretty neat thing with the uh, the latest uh, diary of a wimpy Kid movie they premiered it there played it in the, on a the big screen at Pagoda Plaza. Um, just to make this whole thing fan-friendly, I mm-hmm. mean, the event itself is pretty neat. It's it's the most fun. Every time I go to the Grand Prix, I have more fun than I have at the 500 because I'm working so hard at the 500. Yeah. You know, less but, hassle. Uh, le- less hassle. Less hassle,
2: yeah. Let me ask you, Frank, I, I didn't watch the race. I taped it, but I haven't had a chance to watch it. But I did listen to it on the radio. I was out running errands on, on Saturday, so I, so I had it uh, – had it tuned? Had tuned into it on the radio, and, and it seemed like it was some good passing back in the pack. Scott Dixon made a made a pretty good charge uh, to to finish second, and and Hunter Ray uh, had a pretty good race to to, to get on the podium. Uh, what did you think? Uh, what did you think of the crowd there? The overall crowd there. You think it was a decent crowd for for the uh, for the Indianapolis Grand Prix?
1: Yeah, it, w- it was up from last year for sure. Um, you know, a lot of the funny thing is I read a lot of social media comments. People say, "Oh, there's like less than a hundred people there." I'm like, "No, there are probably my if I had to guess, I would say thirty five thousand to forty thousand people there."
2: And obviously, um, they're spread throughout the, the road course area, the, not yeah, not in the grandstand. Exactly.
1: Well, well, you know the um the if you're looking you know, the camera angles what you know camera angles will catch all the empty grandstands. Right? There are two hundred thousand. Permanent C set in the Naps Motor Speedway, right? Um, yeah, so
2: it's going to look empty. I don't care. Yeah, it's if gonna, yeah, yeah if, yeah. if you put, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, it's like putting a couple of quarts of water in a fifty-five gallon drum. Still right. going, still going to look empty. <laughs> but yeah. um, uh, you know, you're not going to be in a front. The front stretch, they don't even sell the front stretch grandstands. Just the uppers, you know, just the upper mm-hmm. deck where you can see the back. yeah. Because
2: basically, you can't see that. You really can't see the action on the road course. You know. From from the front stretch, grandstands, you can see the pit action, but you don't really see you see them come off the final turn and go into turn one, and yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it because but, they're but, running behind the, the the they're running behind the grandstands, yeah. Right, but but if you
1: sit in the North Vista, which is turn four on the speedway, yeah. uh, but turn see, one, good. Turn, but turn one on the road course, um, you got a pretty neat view of turn one, two, three, and four, and then mm-hmm. onto that little little shoot back. Uh, under the bridge, and there were a lot of folks in that grandstand, a lot of folks in the E grandstand on the other side of the track, but the bulk of the fans, they're on the infield spectator mounds, they've got these beautiful, grassy mounds, Uh, and again, it's family-friendly, you know, I I spend a lot of time walking through there, and you've got kids trying to, you know, roll down the hill and play ball and stuff like that while their folks are watching the race, it it is one of the most neatest, family-friendly races but you can watch but all the fans are are, are here and there and everywhere and they're not sitting on those grandstands that the um that the television camera angles catch Mm -hmm. you know so but uh i would say you know by most accounts it was up from last year last year it was uh 50 degrees i remember watching the race with a blanket on me last year (laughs) (laughs) this this year the weather was perfect um yeah, it beautiful the, day. Yeah, the race was great. Willpower dominated. Um, yeah, there was the only passes for the lead were on pit road. But you know, if you're a road racing purist and you want to see a guy um, just you know show every bit of skill he has in a well set up car, uh, you would appreciate that. Certainly we might want to see a wheel banging duel at the end of the race, but, uh, that's not the case, but you know, I grew up in and around road, road racing and Richard, you know what I'm talking about. You can appreciate somebody just, oh, yeah. just being hooked up, stomping the field.
3: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's one of those difficult things, isn't it? It's not Will Power's fault, is it? You know, and he, yeah. he, everybody else, nobody else could do what he could do. And he went out and he, he, he did the business he delivered. Um, and you've got to give him credit for that. he, he does have uh you know a habit of when Will Power gets hooked up and gets in the zone, I mean there's there's nobody's you know, if you you've followed IndyCar for any length of time, you know he's he's unstoppable. You know, on a road course or a street circuit, when he's when when he's got that determination and, and, and the like, he is he's he's the man.
2: And he may be on a mission this month too, because this this the five hundred has eluded him for uh Yeah. For a number of years, he's had good cars and and just hasn't either had the luck or had you know some something's befallen him and he hadn't been able to get it done. So he may be a, a man on a mission. I think he was was he was fastest yesterday uh, in mm-hmm. practice.
3: Well, that's not For to guess? say that when uh, it, it's always good from a a neutral's point of view who doesn't necessarily follow a particular driver in IndyCar to watch a good willpower temper tantrum. That's always a. That's yep. always quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yep. <laughs>
2: but he, he's yeah, a fiery yeah.
3: he's a fiery
2: guy. And, but uh, but he's
1: also a very skilled guy. He's yep. many years into this now. Um and he's he just surpassed um his teammate El Castro Nevis on the win column there. 20, this is his twenty ninth career win. And um I believe it was Elio and Alan are senior or I can't remember who he, got. he passed two guys on the win list that he was tied with but mm-hmm. um you know I've I said going into this month of May Will Power is well overdue for an Indy 500 win and he his early career in IndyCar he had that monkey on his back of road course specialist you know yeah. and it took him a while to win on an oval but once he did he's only won on I think three ovals he won a Texas Milwaukee and in um,
2: California I believe in Didn't
1: california you you're absolutely right, right. he's mm-hmm. got uh, three oval wins now, but he feels so comfortable and will in his post race interview after he says he says, "I feel like I can win any anywhere, and that ought to just scare the rest of the competitors because you know when will is on, he is on um yeah. so and the other guy you know Castro Nevis, who's got two poles on the year and probably could have won this race or, or could have really challenged Will for the lead. Um, Penske decides to give him this crazy alternate tire strategy where he's starting the race on sticker reds and ending on scuff blacks. Now, if, if you don't understand how that works, the sticker reds are the fastest tires and the scuffed blacks would be the slowest tires. But, you know, every time it seems like Team Penske wants to experiment with something, um and, and go out of the box with strategy, they use Elio as the guinea pig. And I think it's really hurt Elio in the wind column over the years. But uh, Elio hasn't won since 2014, but he's two poles this year, consistently fast, and that tire strategy just threw his weekend out of the window. I don't know what they were thinking there.
3: I mean, I was always told this one thing about uh, strategy when I was talking to some of the strategists back in Formula 1. If you mix strategies, you're always going to be wrong with one car, and uh, you know, yeah, you're always. You, it's, it's great when you, you know, if you want to, you know, make somebody jump. Um, Better you know, being positions. wrong with one
1: than
2: two.
3: Well, that's Yes, yes, well.
1: but they they keep Ellie. They keep picking Elio to be the guy yeah, they're wrong yeah. with. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I, and like I said, it's it's part of that thing we're talking about. You know, with NASCAR is going to try that too. So it's going to be very interesting how how that kind of transpires in the you know it's Saturday night because there's a couple of rules involved too. Because if you if you save your your gumball tire, I'm going to call them gumballs, your soft tires for the final segment, you've got to start behind the 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 uh, the other. The other guys in which you know that they're, they're trying to hopefully that they, they want that to kind of happen because they want to put these faster cars back in the in the in the in the pack to kind of create a little bit of passing and in a uh, little mayhem in the race i guess but uh tire strategy is always something fascinating to me at both formula one and, and Car. i always you like like to see how they you know how they Choose their choose their their tire compounds and d- through, through different stints.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, after the after the Grand Prix, we've uh, the, the track opened up for a practice uh, on Monday. Everybody passed their uh, rookie orientation. Um,
2: Only one not, incident.
1: Yeah, poor old Jack Harvey hit the wall. Yeah. Uh, but but he was okay. Still passed his rookie test. Uh, Alonso did more laps than anybody so far. And Alonso, for his part, said he's he's feeling better, but he's still not feeling comfortable. But um, but he's he's run more laps than anybody so far this month. You know when you especially when he's throwing his uh, the 110 laps of his uh, private test. So um, speeds we we saw speeds top 226, I believe. Um,
4: Yesterday uh,
1: on, on, on day one, um, and then day two, a little down. Today it was so windy. Yeah. Today, which we tomorrow when you hear our show because we tape, um, two twenty two Ed Carpenter was fastest. So I don't think you can really get a gauge on if this pole is going to go to a Chevy or a Honda or a Penske, you know, or a Ganassi or an Andretti, uh, because uh, when you see these speeds at this early point in the month. We don't know who's uh, out there running Quali Sims or who's out there working on race setups. A little
2: uh, bit of gamesmanship going on. A little right bit now, of gamesmanship.
1: Too. Yep, absolutely. But uh, I, my humble prediction is that the pole speed will be over 232, and it will be a Honda car.
2: I pick 229.
1: Uh, we did 231 last year, so I, track track is still 236. I don't yeah. think we'll see that, but I'm my prediction 232. Honda Depending car, on so. what the
2: weather's like, supposed to yeah, that's what I'm kind of you know it was it was forecast to be re, be hot on Saturday, and now a little bit of rain might be coming into uh, coming into play on on Saturday up there from what I forecast. I saw and saw that could day. really
1: mix things up. Absolutely, so but so I watched- now-
2: Go ahead, Talking Greg. about practice. Well, oh, I was going to say one thing today. You know, you talk about how windy it was today at Indy, and a lot of guys. There wasn't a lot of guys getting out running and running like they did yesterday. A lot of guys chose today to work on pit stops, and uh, I know uh, Scott Dixon worked on a lot of pit stop stuff, and so did uh, Alonzo. Uh, they used this afternoon to, to take the opportunity to come down and you know use it to to practice getting on pit road and uh and getting off uh and, and doing uh mock pit stops so that's a uh, good day good day for that and that's the neat thing about indianapolis that affords you uh all these days now where you have six hours of practice provided there's no rainouts, but you have six hours of practice all every day this week which is uh which is really good and gets gets he gets guys like alonzo and and the rookies up to speed and gets them, com- gives them the opportunity to become comfortable before uh, before the race.
1: Yeah, and not just Alonzo and the rookies, but the other, you know, indie-only entries. You know, guys like Sage Karam, who's, yeah, you know, he's been running some sports cars, but maybe he's a little rusty, you know, um, and. And these, just these one-off efforts. So um, I always love the month of May. And I hate it that I can't be up there for qualifying this weekend. But, uh, again, you know, my son has graduated from high school, and that's going to trump, <laughs> trump my second weekend at Indianapolis. But I'll be up there for the race. Um, and uh, next week I'm going to give you my prediction for the race winner <laughs> after we see how qualifying goes. So uh,
4: should we uh, do poll picks for the Indy 500 while we're here or –
1: well, you can't do a pole pick for the Indy One, Indy 500. You've got to pick the front row, okay? Okay. So, if I had to pick the front row right now, I'm gonna say it's uh, poll goes to Scott Dixon, Will Power in the middle, James Hinchcliffe on the outside. But it's way too early to pick. But that's is, that's just my thought. Was, so,
4: I was gonna say it's kind of hard for us. Not to pick this early with when we record, unfortunately.
2: I know, yeah. So, so Adam's- I like I like that front row, but I like that front row. But I wanna tell you, somebody that's got a knack for that place that I really like, and I'm probably going to pick him for the race. He should have won it last year. That's Hunter Ray. He he gets it, he can get it done there.
1: That's uh, that's a good call, Gray. So, who else are you going to put on your front row with Hunter Ray?
2: I like I like Will. And uh I like uh I like uh blah, 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 blah. Elio. I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say the two pin the two sandwich hunter. Ray.
1: That's a good that's a good pick, Gray. So uh so Seth will go to you since you come up with this idea.
4: Uh <laughs> I'm gonna say Castro Neva's on the poll. Uh I'm gonna say Hmm. I'm gonna say willpower second. And I'm gonna go for just a kind of an oddball for third. I'm gonna say Alonzo for third. What do you
3: think, Richard?
0: <sighs> oh.
3: <laughs> um, I'm gonna throw. Nobody's mentioned him yet, and a oval specialist, Ed Carpenter, on the front row. That's good. Yeah, he's, before. He, he
1: started from pole twice.
3: Yeah. Uh, knows his way around there, obviously, you know, for for him and for his team, it's, you know, um, the, the, the the main race, I guess, that they aim for throughout the season, really, especially with him um, being, I believe he only drives the ovals, did not they? And then he swaps out for um, road course races. Right,
1: that that would be correct. Spencer Piggott is yep. in, that, in, That's in the, the, in one, the yeah. 20 car, yeah.
3: Um, so I'm going to go him on the front row. Uh, who else do we put on there? I think... Elio's going to be up there, and I think Tony Cannon could stick one up there as well. Okay.
1: You know, that's, that's Tony Kanaan. We haven't talked about him, but Tony Cannon is one of the favorites that Indianapolis of the locals. Uh, I'm going to yeah. tell you, I've, I've been going to Indy forever, and people just love Tony Kinnan. Uh That year he won the thing in 2013 was incredible. And, Tony's a good guy. and And all those times that he was leading and didn't win... People felt so, so bad for Tony. Yeah, people in Indy love Tony Kanon. That's for darn sure. He's a sure. good
2: guy, though. I mean, you know, he's a he's a very he's a
1: good. Yep, it's a very good guy, and he's a man. If he were to win a second Indy Five Hundred, that'd be something else too.
2: Yeah, would so, be. So let's and yo, Elio's know, going trying to join rare company too. He's he's going for his fourth. Yep, he's going for his fourth. For
4: Which I team. think will happen.
2: There you go. I know why too. We <laughs> uh, don't too the Seth. Yeah, you've got the Seth. Yeah, the, the, ba- the, backs, the back, the back story on that. But the we'll back say that way for, too long for this yeah. show right now. Yeah, we'll say that. We'll say that for next week. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell
1: you what, Seth. When I was watching Elio lead the second. Um, stint during the Grand Prix the Indianapolis, I was thinking, man, Seth probably right here.
3: <laughs> so, uh, so, anyway, anyway
1: so, um, yeah, man, Indy, we've got, uh, you know, several more days of practice, pole day coming up. Um, man, exciting. It's, it's, the Indy 500 for me is just like, you know, I look forward to it all year long, and um, it's just incredible. So, let's talk about the Spanish Grand Prix then, um, and I guess we can't get Adam in to talk about it, so my apologies, my apologies to you, Adam, uh, that we're having some technical difficulties on your end. So uh, I did not get a chance to see a lot of the race. I do know that um, Alonso was able to go from a, a engine failure in the first qualifying session to qualifying, I believe it was seventh, to yep. uh, delight the crowd in Spain. And um, and then had a little off track incident on turn one, but uh, I'll just I'm going to turn it over to you, Richard, and uh, let you talk about the Spanish Grand Prix, and uh, we'll just dissect mm. it as we go.
3: Well, again, you know, um, you know, fifth race into the season, and again, you're in a position which is great from a Formula One fan. You can't predict who's going to win the race, um, even post qualifying. You know, the last few years, as we all know, Mercedes has been dominating, but. But now you really don't know who it's going to be. And those Ferraris and the Mercedes cars are so evenly matched. And the rate at which these two teams are developing, it, the cars are phenomenal, really. I mean, you saw at Russia two weeks ago, the Ferraris get mugged off the line by the Mercedes cars. And then, you know, you saw the exact opposite this week. And, you know, Ferrari developed a new start uh, mechanism with their, cl- um, you know, on steering wheel clutch paddles. And, um you know, it's, if this carries on throughout the whole season, this is going to be a, a classic season, I think. And uh, these first five races, I think, hopefully just whetted people's appetites. And the way that, you know, Liberty are, are trying to engage with people, and you've seen some of the things, listening to the, uh, you know, the feedback from the track from some of the people that were there, the the entertainment that's been laid on for the fans is far exceeds anything they've ever seen. Um, and, you know, you saw... Um, you know, with with the young kid in the in the crowd who was, uh, you know, in tears after Kimmy uh, Kimmy retired. Uh, you know, being injured, taken down to the garages and introduced. I mean, that's. I'm not saying that wouldn't have happened in the past, but it certainly, it looks great to the new ownership and with what they're trying to do. Um, and and one thing I do want to mention as well, and I think, um, you know, he came in for criticism at the start of the year. Uh, Pascal Verline in that drive for Sauber Two uh, finishing the points with a five second penalty, which was team induced they uh, admitted that they called Pascal into the pits late uh, under the virtual safety car and they they probably knew he would get um, you know the penalty, but it was the right thing to do. They made a smart call there um, and it was great to see you know the Sauber guys get getting the points uh, you know the struggle of the last couple of years with a very small budget compared to some of the you know some of the guys they are trying to compete against and um you know they're one of the old-fashioned race you know race teams you know um peter sauber he'll he'd sell the shirt off his back to go racing um and that's great to see so uh, hopefully they can uh you know they can keep growing and that that fight at the back of the grid is as exciting as it is at the front
2: yeah and, and and like uh Frank talked about too. I think uh with uh, Alonso qualifying seventh, that's the first time that uh they've uh made it to Q3 in in quite a while. The McLaren.
3: Yeah, I mean Alonso certainly um has been, you know, dragging that car around the track there's there's no no two ways about it. He's um you know, he's said in interviews that he's at the top of his game, he's driving the best he ever has done, which if he's looking to get out of McLaren at the end of the year, he's bound to say that. But I think the performances and the way that he's dominating a, a highly regarded teammate uh, shows exactly what he's capable of. Um, you know that gap there, and it's great to see you. You just desperately, desperately want Alonso to be in a competitive car because mm-hmm. he's what thirty-five now, thirty-six, I believe so. Everybody thought McLaren was going to be his last move. I think, you know, he may have one more left in him where that'll be. There was rumours a couple of weeks ago of maybe even going to Renault mid-season to replace uh, Julian Palmer. I, I can't quite see that happening. Uh, I don't think McLaren would want to let him go. I think part of this Indy deal is maybe to keep him happy. Um, and, but you, you want to see him up there. You want to see him fighting with, um, you know, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel and guys like that, you know, because that's where he deserves to be. Um, and it's you feel sorry for um, you know the other guys that are in that team. Uh, you know they deserve better than that. Um, and you look what you see with uh, you know with Williams' team. You know, you've got that big differential there between Felipe Massa and Lance Stroll. You know you you wonder maybe a little bit if Lance Strolls out of his depth a little bit. I know he's got to learn and they've got to give him time, but he hasn't really shown much. I mean. He was beaten by Massa and Massa had at least one extra pit stop at the weekend, and um, yeah, you just think, you wonder what um, you know. I know there's a lot of money there, and uh, he's certainly massively increased, um, you know, the, the Williams budget for the, for the, the length of his contract. But um, yeah, it's it's sad when Williams are relying on paid drivers to to be competitive. Um, but it's great to see Felipe back, and you know, with a bit of a maybe a unexpected second win sort of thing um be interesting to see how he how he goes for the rest of the season
1: yeah but let let's talk about lance for a second um you know is he does this kid possess a talent or is it just the money because i mean there's talent I, isn't there? he, he's got, he's got some talent there, but um has he been pushed into this role too soon um you know he's awful young he's what nineteen.
3: 1819.
1: 1819. Yeah. yeah, you think yeah. that uh, perhaps his family did did him a disservice by pushing him all the way into Formula One, and then maybe <laughs> if he had a few a few more years in um you know GP two or GP three, that um, he would be more prepared to take this on instead of uh, uh, you know just feeling so you know much like a duck out of water.
3: Yeah, potentially. I mean, obviously, won the um, Euro F three Championship. Um, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember off the top of my head. There was a lot of I, I don't want to say controversy about it. There was a lot of murmurings that his uh, I don't want to speak out of term, but the rumors were that his teammates were 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 compensated to make sure they didn't beat him and they protected his championship lead and and things along those lines. But there is obviously talent there, but. You know, there's the old saying of ten thousand hours of practice will make you an expert at anything. Um you know, I know he's he's done a lot of testing um on a lot of the tracks that he'd been to. And I think that was a slightly disappointing thing. Of all the tracks that a rookie will go to, Barcelona is without doubt the one where you should do the best. Um, you know, you, you do hours of preseason pre testing there. You'll do and I know that um the the deal with Williams was that last year Lance Stroll had his basically a test team that went all over the world getting in mileage in an older car and I'm sure they would have gone to Barcelona and done lots and lots and lots of work at Barcelona so to go there and again be pretty anonymous not really sort of show was that was the real tell you know telling sign I mean I don't believe he'd driven at any of the other circuits before um you know on those flyaway races but um to see him come to a track that he would at least know which you know know it that was that was disappointing.
1: Yeah, again, I don't want to you know give give any disservice to Lance as a driver because I do because I know he's in there week in and week out to try to do what he can. But I just wonder if he if he's in over his head. If they would have let him, you know. Uh, you know i just uh
3: yeah potentially
1: you know they they just and you don't they gave him the world on a silver platter and he wasn't ready for it and
3: you don't don't know what the the long run true and you you don't know what the financial pressures at williams were for them to accept that deal um you know they may i'm sure that you know claire and frank williams from a a professional perspective would have liked to have nurtured him through and put him in through GP three and F two as it is now. And then, you know, picked him up maybe when he's 21, 22, 23 or whatever, but maybe, you know, the financial pressures are on the team that they couldn't wait that long. You know, maybe the deal that his family put together was look, here's your, whatever the number is to believe somewhere between 40 and $80 million a year you know, to get our son in this car, we want him in there now. Um, I, I don't know without knowing the, the finer details of those sort of deals. It's, it's difficult to say, but, um, yeah, you, you do feel a little bit of sympathy for the kid.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, Oh God, we got dead air again.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, but one thing that was one thing I, I think also that was interesting coming from this weekend, um, was the gap between the Ferrari and Mercedes and the Red Bull. You know, the Red Bull was like, what, 50 something seconds behind. And Ricard, Ricciardo said he drove a great race and he's still 50 seconds behind. Um, you know, there's, there's a big deficit there. And I think Red Bull are going to look to, to want to wanna close that, you know, they, they feel that they should be competing, you know, with those two manufacturers with their budget. And, uh, yeah, that again. That's disappointing. It's he, great that you've got the Ferrari and Mercedes battle, but it's the more teams that they're fighting, the better. Um, yeah. you know, Mercedes brought a huge number of updates. As you know, we talked about Ferrari. You look at the Mercedes had new nose cone uh, assembly, which is quite a, a drastic change from what we've seen in the past, and the attention to detail and the the finery and on the little winglets and add-on bits. It's it's incredible, and it just shows that they've got far too many people working there. If they can come up with some of these little winglets, it's it's incredible.
1: It amazes me the the amount of parts on a uh, uh, on the aerodynamics. You know, IndyCar and uh, uh, Formula One both. The front wing. There's so many little things going on there. So pretty neat. So, but uh, we are just about out of time. So. Uh I want to go around the table for final thoughts real quick. So next week we have next week it's almost like an off weekend of racing because we we don't have a proper race. We have Formula One is off, um, Indianapolis we have pole qualifying, and um, NASCAR we have the All Star race. So we don't have a proper points-paying race for the weekend. Uh, so let's just go around the table and do some final thoughts uh, before we reconvene next week. I'm going to start with you, Seth. <laughs>
4: There's no race this weekend. He's got I'm, no here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, uh, I'm here. for some reason my mic muted. I mean uh, is, is, sorry is, about is that. this week we're on. None of our microphones work. So <laughs> Uh sorry about that. Uh I'm gonna go with if you're listening and you end up in the Mooresville area or the Charlotte area, in between the All Star and Coke six hundred race weekends, uh the GoPro Motorplex will have what they call a little 600. Uh, you have multiple uh, Cup Series drivers, including Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, uh, Casey Kane, and you also have Xfinity Series drivers like Justin Allgaier, uh, Elliott Sadler, uh, I want to say Brandon Jones. You have John Hunter Nemechek, and th- there's about 20 to 30 drivers signed up to run, race go-karts at the GoPro Motorplex. It's free to attend it's ten dollars for parking.
1: All right. So, Gray, your final thought for the night?
2: Well, I'm. I think I'm going to drive down to Charlotte on Saturday night and take in the uh, take in the All Star race. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, should be a should be a good show. Uh, so we'll just uh, I'll let you know what I think next week.
1: All right. Fantastic, and Richard. Your final thought for the week
3: again it's the all-star races and it's just uh you know it's an opportunity for the drivers to you know just drive there's nothing on the line there there's no i mean there's obviously the financial reward but there's no you know they're not thinking about chase points and sectors and segments and you you just they just go out and race and burn the car down and uh you know hopefully it'll be entertaining and uh you know they'll um they'll, they'll put on a great race for the fans so yeah, it should be a really good weekend, hopefully.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and uh, then we've got Indianapolis pole qualifying coming up, and uh, like I said, we've all tried to do a pick for the poll, but uh, I don't think I don't think the cat's out of the bag yet because uh, the last two years we've heard stories of uh, Chevrolet sandbagging, uh, and this year the story is that Honda is sandbagging. So let's see who's really sandbagging and who's really got a fast car. Uh, and we'll find out next uh next weekend so um, but anyway I want to thank you Gray I want to thank you Richard I want to thank you Seth I want to thank Hoobazoo Radio Network and we will be back on here again for Draft and Circus in one week's time good night
0: wwwobaz.com website enter
4: website website
3: website